Chapter thirty one of Jacob Faithful by Captain Marriott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian. Chapter thirty one. Mr. Turnbull and I go on a party of pleasure. It turns out to be an adventure and winds up with a blunderbuss, a tin box, and a lady's cloak. We pulled leisurely up the stream, talking and every now and then resting on our oars to take breath for as the old captain said why should we make a toil of pleasure i like the upper part of the river best jacob because the water is clear and i love clear water how many hours have i when a boy on board ship hung over the gunwale of a boat lowered down in a calm and watched the little floating objects in the dark blue unfathomable water beneath me objects of all sizes of all colours and of all shapes all of them beautiful and to be admired yet of them perhaps not one in a hundred millions ever meet the eye of man you know jacob that the north seas are full of these animals you cannot imagine the quantity of them the sailors call them blubbers because they are composed of a sort of transparent jelly but the real name i am told is medusae that is the learned name the whale feeds on them and that is the reason why the whale is found where they are i should like very much to go on a voyage to the whale fishery replied i i've heard so much about it from you it is a stirring life and a hard life jacob still it is an exciting one some voyages will turn out very pleasant but others are dreadful from their anxiety if the weather continues fine it is all very well but sometimes when there is a continuance of bad weather it is dreadful i recollect one voyage which made me show more grey hairs than all the others and i think i have been twenty-two in all we were in the drift ice forcing our way to the northward when it came on to blow the sea rose and after a week's gale it was tremendous we had little daylight and when it was daylight the fog was so thick that we could see but little there we were tossing among the large drift ice meeting immense icebergs which bore down with all the force of the gale and each time we narrowly escaped perishing the rigging was loaded with ice the bows of the ship were cased with it the men were more than half frozen and we could not move a rope through a block without pouring boiling water through it first to clear it out but then the long dreary dreadful nights when we were rising on the mountain wave and then pitching down into the trough not knowing but that at each send we might strike upon the ice below and go to the bottom immediately afterwards all pitchy dark the wind howling and as it struck you cutting you to the backbone with its cold searching power the waves dancing all black around you and every now and then perceiving by its white colour and the foam encircling it a huge mass of ice borne upon you and hurled against you as if there were a demon who was using it as an engine for your destruction 
I never shall forget the turning of an iceberg during the dreadful gale which lasted for a month and three days. I don't know what that means, sir. Why, you must know, Jacob, that the icebergs are all fresh water, and are supposed to have been detached from the land by the force of the weather and other causes. Now, although ice floats, yet it floats deep. That is, if an iceberg is five hundred feet high above the water, it is generally six times as deep below the water. Do you understand? Perfectly, sir. Now, Jacob, the water is much warmer than the air, and in consequence the ice under the water melts away much faster, so that if an iceberg has been some time afloat, at last the part that is below is not so heavy as that which is above, then it turns, that is, it upsets and floats in another position. I understand you, sir. Well, we were close to an iceberg, which was to windward of us, a very tall one indeed, and we reckoned that we should get clear of it, for we were carrying a press of sail to effect it. Still, all hands were eagerly watching the iceberg, as it came down very fast before the storm. All of a sudden it blew twice as hard as before, and then one of the men shouted out, Turning! Turning! And sure enough it was. There was its towering summit gradually bowing towards us, until it almost appeared as if the peak was over our heads. Our fate appeared inevitable, as the whole mountain of ice was descending on the vessel, and would, of course, have crushed us into atoms. We all fell on our knees, praying mentally and watching its awful descent. Even the man at the helm did the same, although he did not let go of the spokes of the wheel. It had nearly half turned over, right for us, when the ice below, being heavier on one side than on the other, gave it a more slanting impetus, and shifting the direction of its fall, it plunged into the sea about a cable length astern of us, throwing up the water to the heavens in foam, and blinding us all with the violence with which it dashed into our faces. For a minute the run of the waves was checked, and the sea appeared to boil and dance, throwing up peaked pointed masses of water in all directions, one sinking, another rising. The ship rocked and reeled as if she were drunk, even the current of the gale was checked for a moment, and the heavy sails flapped and cleared themselves of their icy varnishing. Then all was over. There was an iceberg of another shape astern of us, and the gale recommenced. The waves pressed each other on as before, and we felt the return of the gale, awful as it was, as a reprieve. That was a dreadful voyage, Jacob, and turned one-third of my hair grey, and what made it worse was that we had only three fish on board on our return. However, we had reason to be thankful, for eighteen of our vessels were lost altogether, and it was the mercy of God that we were not among the number. Well, I suppose you told me that story to prevent my going a voyage. Not a bit, Jacob. If it should chance that you find it your interest to go to the North Pole or anywhere else, I would say, go, by all means. Let neither difficulty nor danger deter you. But do not go merely from curiosity. 
that i consider foolish it's all very well for those who come back to have the satisfaction to talk of such things and it is but fair that they should have it but when you consider how many there are who never come back at all why then it's very foolish to push yourself into needless danger and privation you were amused with my recollections of arctic voyages but just call to mind how many years of hardship of danger cold and starvation i have undergone to collect all these anecdotes and then judge whether it be worth any man's while to go for the sake of mere curiosity i then amused mr turnbull with the description of the picnic party which lasted until we had pulled far beyond kew bridge we thrust the bow of the wherry into a bunch of sedges and then we sat down to our meal surrounded by hundreds of blue dragonflies that flitted about as if to inquire what we meant by intruding upon their domiciles we continued there chatting and amusing ourselves till it was late and then shoved off and pulled down with the stream the sun had set and we had yet six or seven miles to return to mr turnbull's house when we perceived a slight handsome young man in a small skiff who pulled towards us i say my lads said he taking us both for watermen have you a mind to earn a couple of guineas with very little trouble oh yes replied mr turnbull if you can show us how a fine chance for you jacob continued he aside well then i shall want your services perhaps for not more than an hour it may be a little longer as there is a lady in question and we may have to wait all i ask is that you pull well and do your best are you agreed we consented and he requested us to follow him and then pulled for the shore this is to be an adventure sir said i so it seems replied mr turnbull all the better i'm old now but i'm fond of a spree the gentleman pulled into a little boat-house by the river's side belonging to one of the villas on the bank made fast his boat and then stepped into ours now we've plenty of time just pull quietly for present we continued down the river and after we had passed kew bridge he directed us inshore on the right side till we came to a garden sweeping down to the river from a cottage ornay of large dimensions about fifty yards from the bank the water was up to the brick wall which rose from the river about four or five feet that will do st st not a word said he rising in the stern sheets and looking over after a minute or two reconnoitring he climbed from the boat on to the parapet of the wall and whistled two bars of an air which i had till then never heard all was silent he crouched behind a lilac bush and in a minute he repeated the same air in a whistle as before still there was no appearance of movement at the cottage he continued at intervals to whistle the portion of the air and at last a light appeared at an upper window it was removed and reappeared three times be ready now lads said he 
in about two minutes afterwards a female in a cloak appeared coming down the lawn with a box in her hand panting with excitement oh william i heard your first signal but i could not get into my uncle's room for the box at last he went out and here it is the gentleman seized the box from her and handed it to us in the boat take great care of that my lads said he and now cecilia we have no time to lose the sooner you are in the boat the better how am i to get down there william replied she oh nothing more easy stop throw your cloak into the boat and then all you have to do is first to get upon the top of the wall and then trust to the watermen below and to me above for helping you it was not however quite so easy a matter the wall was four feet high above the boat and moreover there was a trellised work of iron about a foot high which ran along the wall still she made every effort on her own part and we considered that we had arranged so as to conquer the difficulty when the young lady gave a scream we looked up and beheld a third party on the wall it was a stout tall elderly man as far as we could perceive in the dark who immediately seized hold of the lady by her arm and was dragging her away this was resisted by the young gentleman and the lady was relinquished by the other to defend himself at the same time that he called out help help thieves thieves shall i go to his assistance said i to mr turnbull one must stay in the boat jump up then jacob for i never could get up that wall i was up in a moment and gaining my feet was about to spring to the help of the young man when four servants with lights and with arms in their hands made their appearance hastening down the lawn the lady had fainted on the grass the elderly gentleman and his antagonist were down together but the elderly gentleman had the mastery for he was uppermost perceiving the assistance coming he called out look to the watermen secure them i perceived that not a moment was to be lost i could be of no service and mr turnbull might be in an awkward scrape i sprang into the boat shoved off and we were in the stream and at thirty yards distance before they looked over the wall to see where we were stop in that boat stop they cried fire if they don't cried their master we pulled as hard as we could a musketoon was discharged but the shot dropped short the only person who fell was the man who fired it to see us he had stood upon the coping bricks of the wall and the recoil tumbled him over into the river we saw him fall and heard the splash but we pulled on as hard as we could and in a few minutes the scene of action was far behind us we then struck across to the other side of the river and when we had gained close to the shore we took breath well said mr turnbull this is a spree i little looked for to have a blunderbuss full of shots sent after me no replied i laughing that's carrying the joke rather too far on the river thames well but what a pretty mess we are in here we have property belonging to god knows whom and what are we to do with it i think sir the best thing we can do is for you to land at your own house with the property and take care of it until we find out what all this is about and i will continue on with the skulls to the hard 
we shall hear or find out something about it in a day or two they may still follow up the pursuit and trace us the advice is good replied mr turnbull and the sooner we cut over again the better for we are nearly abreast of my place we did so mr turnbull landed in his garden taking with him the tin box it was what they call a deed box and the lady's cloak i did not wait but boating the oars took my sculls and pulled down to fulham as fast as i could i had arrived and was pulling gently in not to injure the other boats when a man with a lantern came into the wherry have you anything in your boat my man said he nothing sir replied i the man examined the boat and was satisfied tell me did you see a boat with two men in it as you came along no sir replied i nothing has passed me where do you come from now from a gentleman's place near brentford brentford oh then you were far below them they are not down yet have you a job for me sir said i not wishing to appear anxious to go away no my man no nothing to-night we are on the lookout but we have two boats in the stream and a man at each landing-place i made fast my boat shouldered my oars and sculls and departed not at all sorry to get away it appeared that as soon as it was ascertained that we were not to be stopped by being fired at they saddled horses and the distance by the road being so much shorter had by galloping as hard as they could arrived at fulham some ten minutes before me it was therefore most fortunate that the box had been landed or i should have been discovered that the contents were of value was evident from the anxiety to secure them but the mystery was still to be solved i was quite tired with exertion and excitement when i arrived at stapleton's mary was there to give me my supper which i ate in silence complained of a headache and went to bed End of chapter thirty one